Welcome to Batshit, a frank and funny look at living with mental illness. While we'll touch on several illnesses, Batshit is focused on those along the spectrum of bipolar disorders. I'm your host, Adam. I'm your other host, Brad. And we're both bipolar, so strap in and let's see how batshit we really are. Spoiler alert, pretty damn batshit. Mm -hmm. This episode's topic, eating disorders. Yay! We have a very special guest, my favorite person in the world, Jessica Wall. Hello. Hi, Jessica. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Now, why don't you let our audience know exactly who you are and why you're the perfect person to talk about this? Oh, my gosh. Uh, my resume for eating disorder. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> like, I mean, we yeah. saw it on LinkedIn. You, you That's saw why it on we LinkedIn. You okay. In. Okay. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, I have been modeling for ooh, about 12 years now. I started in Chicago, worked in New York. I've been in LA for about seven years. I've done fa high fashion modeling, e-commerce modeling, pretty much anything you can think of. I've done it. Um, and I've had the whole experience of agents. Which mm. is just like a mm, really, really, really fun experience. Highly recommend uh, if you want to like grow a backbone. Um, but yeah, so lots of experience with the ups and downs of an industry that is based on how you look. Sure. sure. Now, when did you start? How young? Uh, I started when I was 18. Okay. Yeah. So I do recommend that if you want to do modeling, at least start around 18, any earlier, and it's, uh, it's really a journey in getting a thick skin very sure. quickly. Sure. I mean, I can't imagine a more toxic environment. Than oh, being they're like, out there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but for like a, a teenage boy or girl to be going through, then like that, that type of being constantly evaluated on how you look and how almost being assi quasi assigned worth based on that, that's yeah. got to be really hard. I think the thing that's most difficult about the industry is that one, the actual work is amazing. Like mm -hmm. the work, the photographers, the people you get to meet, absolutely stunning people. The part that gets weird is when you realize that your worth is based on your size. Yeesh. And then as you go and get signed to different agencies and it, when you're in different locations, what size you are in at that location changes your worth. So yikes. Your size in New York means that you have a certain value, whereas if you go to L.A., you have a different size, and they give you a different type of worth. Oof. So Oof. It's, it's a fun <laughs> process. <laughs> sounds, yeah. sounds terrible. <laughs> sounds absolutely terrible. Can I ask, why, what made you get into it? Uh, I need a job, actually. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I need fair a enough. job. Uh, I am the oldest of six kids. Mm -hmm. From suburbs in Chicago, my dad's a contractor, and I was going to go to college for art school, and they were like, oh, $10,000, first semester. I was like, ooh, yeah, yeah I'm going to get a job. I'm good. And then I worked for my dad for a year doing in painting interiors, exteriors, putting down decking, doing roofing, pretty much anything you can think of mm -hmm. in the cold in Chicago, wearing multiple uh, pairs of jeans really fun experience um and you get to learn the fact that when you work for family you're always the last one to get paid and i was like i love 
living in the same room as multiple sisters. But I just, I think I need to move out. This is a lot of family. I think I'm set. So I actually had a friend of the family. His wife used to model and he was like, oh my God. He was talking to my mom one day. He's like, oh my God, you should, you should take Jessica into the city. She should model. And I was like, okay, I guess this sounds weird, but sure. I ended up walking into Ford models and Agent came out, took a picture of me, handed me a contract, and I walked to the back. And five minutes later, I was signed to an agency. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if that's how it always works? <laughs> 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 yeah, right? It's insane. Yeah. Like, I just walked into William Morris today. <laughs> right? Just have a, here's a contract. We want you. And right. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That'd I didn't expect fantastic. that. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, so it, talk to me about, because you started in Chicago. Yeah. And then you went to New York. I did. And then L.A. Yes. So when were you, how old when you moved to each of those new markets? So I was, I was 18 when I started in uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to New York when I was 20. My agents called me on a Friday and it was like mm, mid-July. And they were like, hey, we're going to send you to New York in like August. How do you feel about that? I was like, mm-hmm. oh, love this plan. Cool. <laughs> great. I get to get out of Chicago. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um and then they call me back on a Monday and they're like, hey, can you leave Tuesday for New York? They really want you. I was like, um, how about Thursday? I don't even own a suitcase. Wow. Like I can do that, but give me a second. I So I moved to New York with about $1,200 in my bank account and I was like, let's make it work. Why not? Wow. So I was out there for about a year um, on and off, lived in all kinds of very interesting living situations. Uh And then I came back to Chicago. I was in Chicago for about a year or so. Got engaged. Bad idea. Okay. Um, About to congratulate you. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, don't do that. Um, It's okay. Uh, And then was out there for a while. Helped with all kinds of family stuff. My grandmother passed away. Did Mm. everything and anything under the sun. Moved my mom to a whole new house. And then my agency flipped a coin and they're like, hey, you want to go to LA, right? I was like, yeah. Definitely, for sure. So I was about 22, 21, 22 when I first came to L.A. And really fun experience. I also got to go to South Africa for two and a half months the first year I was out here, which was fabulous. Highly recommend if you ever want to go traveling. Wow. Yeah. That sounds so amazing and at the same time chaotic as fuck. Oh, constantly. I live in limbo. Yeah. I'm comfortable in limbo. I live there constantly. I've been there for 12 years. Set up curtains and everything. My my favorite phrase you ever use is casual chaos. Oh, always. Wow. Always. Constantly yeah. doing casual chaos. See, I give you so much credit for that because I'm someone who exists within like a schedule. Oh, no. Or someone in like a box. Oh, like no. I work well within said box. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> People are like, what's your plan for this week? What does your schedule look like? I'm like, I have no idea. Mm. Zero idea. But it's, it's fun. I'll tell you tomorrow morning. Yeah. So, uh, within all that, <clears throat> what was the, your first experience, not necessarily you having it, but at least seeing an eating disorder? Mm. Ooh, seeing an eating disorder. I mean, every day. Uh, no. <laughs> um, well, specifically in modeling, when I first signed to Ford, one, you don't know anything. I was 18. And they're like, okay, so... 
usually when you go into an agency, they'll take your hip measurement, your waist measurement, and your bust measurement. And they'll also do a thing called digitals, which is you wear a black bikini and they do front side back shots. And they send that out to clients so clients know what you quote unquote really look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first signed with this agency, they're like, okay, here are your measurements. You got to lose an inch here. You got to lose an inch here. And you got to do this here's a uh, self tanner because you're paler than Casper the ghost <laughs> and good luck. We'll see you in a month. I was like, um, Oh, Oh, okay. I guess I don't know what to do. And the industry one, it is built on the back of not educating people sure. about how to work out and keeping people in isolation so that they can maintain power over said people. But within modeling one agent's, I've never met a single agent who knows anything about working out ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and their answer is like, oh, well, just just don't eat. It's okay. Just like, just come back in a week and have like all your measurements different. And that just leads to all kinds of yo-yo dieting, one, but also searching for a fast answer to a very slow change. Right. Because you don't get changes within your body that last quickly right. ever in a healthy way it, it amazes me how the lack of education when it comes to fitness mm-hmm. like screws screws yes. people in in any form of entertainment industry and, and then the the preconceived notion still exists like i still know women who refuse to lift weights because yep. they're afraid of getting bulky yep right i'm like that's not how that works Whereas yeah. men on the other hand will spend thousands of dollars on supplements to try to gain two pounds of muscle right yeah. exactly <laughs> it's like it, it, it that's so twisted and that's uh that's awful yeah so a lot of lack of education and just awareness in that so i you know also being from the midwest like they don't teach you anything out there besides like i think the food pyramid at one point when i was a kid like that that that's not even real shit anymore presidential fitness test yeah that's all you need oh that's rough um so along those lines the first interaction i had with any type of awareness of diet or changing my eating or anything was based off of one deciding to be gluten-free for some reason um and two learning about the eat right for your type which is eating based on your blood type right which don't have anything against either thing i was gluten-free for five years super fun definitely noticed a difference in my body when i ate it versus when i didn't but then uh, bread's wonderful yeah so yeah pasta uh, (laughs) is uh, italy's gift to the world right (laughs) so it was interesting. And Monica Bellucci. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's yes. <laughs> <Multi band. laughs> it was interesting to start that journey of just like baseline having no knowledge and starting to navigate my way over the next 12 years through fad diets, through people's opinions, through trainers' ideas, through mm. agents' ideas of how to get a result in my body that was unattainable because once you get past a certain age as a woman you just you're not going to look like you're 16 anymore because your hips come in and that's just how it is Mm. and it's just you're not gonna look like you're 16 forever you said brad brad you still look like you're 16 thanks thanks. i mean that's a danny devito 16 (laughs) yeah yeah well you know i started uh getting a receding hairline at 12 so (laughs) it works i think (laughs) well it keeps life interesting Yeah. yeah yeah (laughs) So, obviously, you're surrounded by a lot of eating issues with food in general, based on... um, You talked about being Mm gluten-free. You talked about eating for your blood type. Mm -hmm. 
I assume when you started doing that, you didn't view that there was anything wrong to try those things. No, right. and and in essence, I don't think there's anything wrong in trying any type of diet. Sure. Um, because it's all just learning what fits and what works best for your body, right? Mm. It's just like working out. Like me, personally, I, I, I rather die than do HIIT training. Sure. Rather Ditto. do anything else. Ditto. Like anything. <laughs> um, also, will not run unless I'm like running to save an animal. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's an, an acute animal. Like, yeah, no one's running to save a hippo. No, well, I, you might I run don't from know. a hippo. You'd yeah, I, I would definitely run from a hippo. Yeah, I don't know what you could really do to save a hippo. Yeah, but, true. Yeah, Maybe if it's a baby. Sure, I would run. Uh, even then, yeah, yeah even, even then, then like, even then, like, I might run like away. Four hundred uh, pound baby. True. I don't know, picking that up. <laughs> yeah, doing squats. That's so. that's my workout. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Brad does. I do the baby hippo workout. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Brad hits legs with baby hippos. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I think going through different diets and learning that there isn't one answer out there mm-hmm. for you, and it's more of a similar with mental health and learning about your own mental health. It's finding what works best for you, finding how to c- communicate with your body rather than fighting against it. Okay. And whether it for some people, you know, tracking their calories really helps them because they don't eat enough. And so they have to make sure that they are eating enough. Whereas you have other people who you track your calories and you're like, I ate an apple today. I am the worst human being alive. Right. So th- there's balance and everything works a little bit different. Sure. As long as they're not eating those cartel avocados. No, True. Damn, <laughs> damn, damn, damn. Uh, d- did you notice a change in your mental health based off of whatever diet you might have been on at the time? I mean, Yeah. I mean, how so? Yeah, I, I mean, starving yourself doesn't really lead to clarity of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't really choose the eating 400 calories a day diet to like really go for mental sharpness. Sure, wouldn't recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like keeping your st- yourself in a state of constant caloric deficit, even though calories aren't actually a real thing. Nope. Um, it's it messes with your mental health and keeps you in this state of which the modeling industry takes advantage of, of feeling desperate, of feeling like you can't, nothing works, of feeling mm. like your body isn't working with you, that, you know, oh, why is everything so difficult? Well, it's because you haven't eaten today, dude. Yeah, that would do it. I could see yeah. how that would be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. I can imagine the, uh, the, the wild swings in emotional states and moods that oh, would come with that also. Yeah. Oh, always. Well, then try and stick to a diet when you're emotionally all over the place. Yeah, and when I mean, yeah. you wake up thinking about food because you've starved yourself the entire day before, I mean, it just leads to your brain speaking to you very rudely. And mm-hmm. then the spiral of ne- negative self-talk just takes you on a whole journey unto sure. itself. And you couple that with the instability of the industry like what jobs you book what jobs you don't book where you're flying this week that's where it gets spicy (laughs) (laughs) you know you you told me something once that kind of stuck in my head in regards to this too is that a lot of this comes down to bad photographers oh yeah that Mm. they don't know how to shoot or light and so the answer that the agents give is like well you need to lose more weight oh definitely oh definitely Mm. the the amount of photographers out there that don't understand lighting is uh criminal sure Um, (laughs) sure But also you have agents out there that are so committed to this way of thinking that is so archaic, but that girls need to be just skeletons of a human and that, oh, that's fashion. And like one, no, it's not. 
and to where we are in society today and the modeling industry has changed a lot over the past 12 years and that there is more of a leeway in what size you can be and more sizes are embraced and more facial features are embraced and stuff like that but it's a uh, there's so much bad work out there (laughs) that when you have the people who are in charge of you that also have a limited understanding of the work and a limited, uh, I would say creative outlook about what your potential could be, you can get stuck. Now, why do you think those, those people still remain in power? Like out of curiosity, because as you're saying, it's their archaic ways of looking at it. I mean, we experience the same thing in the writing and the acting Mm -hmm. field. So I I get it, but I'm just curious about your perspective. Well, one, there's zero protection for any models out there, Mm -hmm. which there's a few things going on that are trying to help have, you know, more protection for models, but there is no HR. There are, there's no protection for sexual assault. There's no, there's no one you can talk to if your agents are like, please lose an inch everywhere. Or like, come back when you're, when you stop having fat. So there's no union. No, there's no union because that's crazy. I've never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, There's no model union. There's, there's nothing to protect you. And there's also, you know, 500 girls standing right behind you that look exactly like you who will do anything for the job you're doing Mm -hmm. and will also starve themselves. So there's this catch 22 of you can be amazing at what you do. And then if you don't know enough about the industry or if you don't know enough about standing up for yourself, you get taken advantage of and you get stuck. Right. Right. And there's no reason for the higher ups to change their behavior if they're not being called out. on. Exactly. And they're benefiting from it and they're making money off of it. I mean, model housing unto itself is a racket that they're making money off of. Model housing? What's what's, what's (laughs) model housing? You you don't know. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Do you know about model housing? (laughs) Vaguely. Vaguely. Okay. I assume it's where models live. I assume it's where models live. No, no, no. It's it's building model housing. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, it's a whole racket. (laughs) That would be nice. Models building model housing. Coming to Bravo. This Ooh, I would make so much money off that. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, what are you doing? You guys send me power tools. I already have a little bit of a collection, but you send me power there tools, I'll build you a house. All of our listeners send Jessica Power. That's Done. A, that's why she's here, actually. It's yes. just, it's just, just a play for power, for power tools. tools. Yeah. That's the podcast serves to get me drugs. <laughs> Jessica Power Tools. Yep. Done. Finished. And I'll me heartburn. That's the Done. Yeah, I'll be Adam back Harper. next week. <laughs> um, but no, so model housing is usually apartment run by whatever agency you're signed to. Well, there's two types. One is run by an agency mm-hmm. that you're signed to. And it's usually for either underage girls, girls from out of town, girls from out of the country that need a place to stay that aren't necessarily going to sign a lease. Maybe they're just there for a couple of weeks. Mm. Maybe they're there for fashion week. But it's basically a bunch of bunk beds shoved into a very tiny apartment and they can charge you lot of money for it when i was in new york and i moved into the model apartment they tried to charge me 800 dollars a week oh i'm sorry a week uh-huh for a bottom of a bunk bed when there are wow. two bunk beds in one room and three bunk beds in the other room wow yeah very exciting and that was before that's fashion bad. week that's wow and when fashion week rolls around they take advantage of the girls can sleep on the floor and on the couch you're fine you're totally good but they're still charging they charge oh yeah floor sleep wow. oh yeah definitely floor sleep but the best part is that they take um the cut of your rent out of your check before you get your check. Ooh. Yeah. Because it's basically they're building up debt so that you owe them and that you can't leave. And so that that's some God, that's like mafia the, shit. Yeah. Right? I was <laughs> gonna say that's like the, the company stores from the nineteen twenties. Yes, yep. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what God. that is. So and depending on if 
that agency is good at booking you, depending on whatever politics are happening with the agency at the time. If they decide that you're small enough to send out for castings, that can all affect what check is coming your way. Sure. So if they're like, well, you should sign up for this workout class and this workout class and you need to lose all this weight and then we'll send you out for castings. You also have to realize that your pay is about... Mm, it's about a month delayed anywhere yep. you go in the model industry because mm-hmm. they'll you'll get paid for one month theoretically so you'll have a job book the job theoretically gonna get paid right. you don't see that check mm, maybe two three months yeah six to eight weeks is the, yeah. or 90 days that's yeah. pretty standard yeah. yeah and then you have agencies who'll take their cut out of the check before it gets to you and then you'll have to show up to the agency and be like oh so i have a check and they're like no, it's like it's like twenty bucks. You'll be fine. You, you'll you be actually fine. owe us money. After exactly. The That's so, usually how it goes. So they're putting you in the housing. Mm-hmm. They're taking the money for the housing yes. out of your check. They're taking their twenty percent. I'm guessing. Yes, twenty percent. Along with they're okay. charging you for being on their website and charging you for comp cards. Yep. And char- oh, yeah, and, I remember that. And, yeah. and charging you to take digitals and charging you for any test shoot that they set up that they're also skimming off of. I'm Jesus sure. Jesus Christ. And then also what delay. Yeah, the delay when you get your check. And if you know how to make a fuss, you'll get your check. If not. It might be six months. Right, right. And that, and that takes so, years of like developing the backbone, developing the oh, knowledge yeah. within the industry to be able to do that. Yeah. So you have these girls and guys who are in the industry for five or six years before they figure that shit out enough to actually step yeah. up. So you're, you're doing work. Yes. And you're massively in debt. Yes. Just to your agency. Yes. And then they come along and they say, you need to lose 10 pounds. Absolutely. Good God. Come on. <laughs> no wonder. Come on. I don't. Mm. 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 Why, isn't, why don't you think there's a union? Um, because the turnover is so large and because agencies, so agencies were originally created to protect models and to be there to make sure that they had good jobs, that they had good rates and that they had someone looking out for them. Now agencies are just like, well, it's a revolving door. Like if you're not useful, you can leave now. And it also goes back to development of models. So you have girls that start out and if, you go and put time and effort into teaching those girls how to model, how to walk on a runway, how to, you know, be in front of a camera. You're going to have a model that will make you, you know, can make you 10 grand in a day, mm. right? Whereas if you're just going for numbers and turnover, you can book a bunch of girls and you can have 15 girls making you 3K a day somewhere. So it's like there's a trade off of how you want to go about it, but. You can get to a sweet spot where you have a girl who knows about modeling, knows how to do her job really well, and you can put her in front of any client and you can book her. Mm -hmm. But you have to be willing to develop that model or you have to hope that she's willing to develop herself. Right. And I would imagine as far as uh, uh, getting a union going, everybody's starving, so nobody has the energy to... (laughs) Well, there's also that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Plus, like, why would they book you if you're being difficult? They'll just go with someone else that looks exactly like you. Sure. So, so did you did you experience any horror stories? Like, did you see any girls who who these they would they would get in these cycles and get in these eating disorders and it just wrecked them? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you get girls who would get dropped by their agencies. You would get girls who were got addicted to drugs so that they could stay smaller and then they would get dropped by their agency and then you would end up with girls who would hang out with promoters because the promoters would go and take them out to dinner and they would get fed and it would be free but then you'd only get one meal a day so it's it goes 
pretty much anything you can think of. It's wow. there. God. Yeah, that's freaking terrible. Um, so, okay, let's let's go back to the the idea in general of of eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, talking about your personal experience with them, like okay. When you when you found that when you kind of recognized that you might have one, mm-hmm. your, your process of like of processing it, and then right. how you eventually started to deal with it. Okay, so basically, I was about six years into modeling, mm-hmm. and my agency was just being absolute trash. <laughs> um, I asked them to release me from my contracts. I'd been with them for six years, and. I was done. It was, I would wake up every single day hating life and just frustrated and hyper-focused on food and all the wrong ways. And like on a cycle of binging and restricting of like, okay, I'll eat an apple and then I'll get to a point where I'm like, Oh, I have to eat everything in sight. And it was just not good in any way. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then I went and told my agency I was done mm-hmm. and they refused and I they like, refused? They refused to release me from my contract, and I told them, well, I refuse to make you any more money. So I, you know, waited out the six months of my contract, and ended up, it worked out perfectly with timing and schedules in life, and mm-hmm. ended up doing family shit, so that was fine. Um, but in that process of leaving my agency, uh, one of their last ditch moments was oh well if you lose like if you get your hips down to like a a 34 hip then then you'll just you'll blow up and i've been a 36 hip my entire career which Mm -hmm. i've booked on hasn't been a problem it's just how it works but in la you don't need to have a 34 hip which is also just ridiculous in the first place Thanks for listening. Help us continue the conversation. Leave us a comment with your thoughts, experiences, or questions about mental health. Every opinion and viewpoint is valid. Just don't be a dick. And for those of you listening, uh, we're sitting here with Jessica. There's not an ounce of body fat on this woman. Yeah, not a big person. Not a, not a big person. She's just tall and long. Yeah. Um, so... They're like, we want your hips to be 36 or 34 inches. I was like, okay, fine. So my last ditch attempt with this agency before I told them to fuck off was that I went and did a 14-day water fast. Ooh. What? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Hold on one second. Pause with the animals. Adam's dogs are going nuts again. I will not be singing to you this time, though. You just want to be best friends with everyone. Yeah. And potentially find the cat that's outside or even (laughs) the squirrel. Eat some animal. Eat some animal. (gasps) I think they've come to say hi to you. Hi, baby. Hi, baby. Good news. Dogs start barking. Bad news. Now Beans is in here for the rest of the recording. (laughs) So there you go. But he just wants to be here because he's bringing food into the room with his name. And we're talking about eating disorders. So it makes sense. He's like, me? Beans? Beans. We're talking about food. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I was really into, I got really into, um, what do you call it? Uh, Like intermittent fasting. Okay. Which is a very slippery slope if you're already into restricting food. Um, And then started getting to that, which it can be really good. 
for you, intermittent fasting. It can also be a tool that works against you. I think that's one of the hardest parts, right? Sorry, not yeah, to interrupt no, you. Is that it. all of these diets that you're talking about, in theory, in moderation, yes. can be helpful. Yes. Right. And you take them to the extreme. That's when shit goes sideways. Yes. 14-day yeah. water fast should not happen. Nope, nope, nope. Um, so, so that's that's only for 14 days, you're only having water. Yeah. Oh, good God. I suck to it, though. Which, you know, that's persistence. Impressive. Yeah, that's a willpower. How yeah. the hell did you do that? I just did nothing. I lay in bed for 14 days and did <laughs> nothing and it was like miserable um <laughs> drink a lot of water uh but at the end of that i had a 34 inch hip went into my agency they were like oh my god you look so good you look amazing i'm like okay cool great mm. awesome wonderful uh and then immediately they went and booked me on a photo shoot with a photographer that i had been purposefully dodging because i think his work is mediocre and mm. uh he's also on kind of a blacklist for being a little bit funky when it comes to how he interacts with models awesome so super fun i was like "Ooh, so you want me to starve myself you want to set me up with a photographer who has mediocre work and you don't care about my safety oh i'm really done mm -hmm. cool so that's when i told them to shove off um and at that point i ended up going back to chicago and my youngest sister at the time oldest of six kids um my youngest sister at the time was going through some medical stuff and i ended up doing primary care for her oh. for eight months so got to yell at a neurosurgeon it was very satisfying <laughs> <laughs> but the whole process of taking myself out of modeling and the mental headspace of every piece of food you put in your mouth determines if you get work or not to, I have to help keep my youngest sister happy and yell at doctors all day long because they're completely incompetent, um, really shifts the focus of where the food is and mm. what is important with food. And when I originally went out to Chicago, I was gluten free and vegetarian not really something that you can do in Chicago. Yeah, that's got to be hard. <laughs> I don't know if you've been to Chicago, but it's a lot of meat and potatoes yep. and bread. It's it, You don't really get very many options. Plus, you live in a hospital for like eight months. There's like, you're surviving on donuts because yeah. like if you don't survive on donuts, there is no happiness. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have so, donuts in your life, there is no happiness. Agreed. I mean, I think that's just fair to say I of mean, anyone. Yeah. yeah, the best kind of donut though. Mm. 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 See, okay, since moving to Los Angeles Ooh, I got introduced to right? Primo's Ooh. which has the uh, the buttermilk yes. uh, donuts which yes. are freaking amazing they are yeah 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 that, you, that's fresh for me what's yours have you been to Sidecar I know Sidecar I have not been to Sidecar <sighs> worth my yes worth the trip yes what about Blue Star Donuts yes yes okay. yes, 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 yes they're good. amazing they're very good the raspberry one mm -hmm. very good mm -hmm. have you been to Donut Friend no, where's Donut Friend? Oh, dude, you are slacking. What are you talking about? You're yes, slacking. Two out of four, right? Yeah, I don't still know about slacking. You didn't know about I, any of I still eat, I eat Krispy Kreme. Krispy? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. What are you, oh, selling wait, selling wait. things for your junior high school? You eating Krispy Kreme donuts? <laughs> well, actually, yeah. <laughs> We're trying to take a trip to Washington, D.C. <laughs> Let's sell tickets and magazines. That's we right. can do it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. So, um, I went to take care of my sister and while I was out there, there was just a very clear awareness that my entire interaction with food w was a little bit off the rails. Sure. A little bit, little, little bit crazy. Um, and I ended up sticking to being vegetarian, which I still am. Um, 
and decided to eat bread because Midwest and survival. Uh, and bread. <laughs> and bread. And bread. And bread is amazing. Um, and while I was out there, I actually ended up connecting the dots of my eating disorder, which I was really struggling with binging and restricting, which is you eat a lot of food and then you don't eat any food. And then you eat a lot of food and then you don't do any food. And mm. the mental cycle of just beating yourself up goes along with it. And so when I was out there and taking care of my sister, I realized, wow, hmm, this pattern of eating goes all the way back to my childhood in being the oldest of six kids and, you know, surviving on food stamps and infrequent food from... You know, my dad getting paid because whoever wants to pay their contractor, nobody, especially if you have money, you never pay your contractor. (laughs) So rude. Um, So growing up, there was always food in the beginning of the month. And by the end of the month, you're always like, hmm, that can of beans in the back of the pantry kind of looks appetizing, but not really. (laughs) So when you take that and then accelerate it within the sphere of modeling to you eat food when you get paid and then you have to survive on, you know, plain yogurt and granola and hopefully that will take you to your next check. And then you have your agency on top of that saying, Ooh, you need to be even smaller. Just adds to the whole crazy mental cycle of interacting with that. So when I connected those dots, I also ended up reading a book, um, brain over binge and the statement that the little head inside your brain telling you to eat food is actually not being mean to you. It's literally just the survival tactic that you are starving yourself and your body is trying to survive. So it has nothing to do with it is morally good or not good or you're bad or you're evil for putting that piece of food in your mouth is literally just the lizard brain inside of you being like, you are starving us. I would like food now. And realizing that was like, oh, huh. That like flipped a switch for me of like, okay, so I am not purposefully trying to fuck over my entire career by eating a handful of almonds. Huh. I'm just starving myself. Okay, cool. I can eat food now. (laughs) (laughs) So when I realized that I started looking into intuitive eating, which is basically you eat when you're hungry and you eat when you're not hungry. And Within that space, I have become very purposeful in I eat food that I really enjoy. I eat when I'm hungry. I don't eat when I'm not hungry. And I really won't eat bad food. It really is difficult when you uh, have an ex-boyfriend and his mom made a jello mold and put it on your plate. (laughs) Jello mold. Like, really bad. Was it a savory jello mold? It was, was yes. And there was mint in it and it was green and it was bad. And you're like trying to be really polite because it's Thanksgiving, but it was bad. Like, I don't do well with bad food. So I will purposefully cook Mm. anything, anywhere for anyone uh, to avoid bad food. Mm. Um, But finding that space and being intentional and also getting really into cooking and realizing that the food I can surround myself with can be a happy space rather than a space surrounded by stress and anxiety and like, ooh, you're not doing enough or you're not good enough to be able to deserve this food. It's like there is no morality when it comes to food. Right. At all. Like just take it completely out of the equation. And once you start there, it's like, okay. Okay. You know, and that's an interesting thing with dieting in general, because even if you don't have an eating disorder, there's kind of a morality that gets placed oh, in most of these diets. Totally. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. On what you eat. Right. And, and again, assigning worth to 
how much you accomplish with said diet, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, oh man, are you able to get into ketosis? Wow, you're an amazing yeah. man. Let yeah. me tell you about how awesome you are. And yeah. you know what's interesting? Like you, you were talking about how these agencies don't know anything about diet and exercise. I lost, I've talked about this on the show before, I lost 100 pounds coming out of the pandemic. And the way I did that was by increasing my calorie intake. Mm-hmm. Really? Because it, it uh, increased my metabolism. Right. right, you mentioned this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I had to, you know, food quality was a big, big thing. I wasn't increasing my food intake with Taco Bell. <laughs> That's how I got the 100 pounds to begin with. But, um, but you know, you got balance. Yeah, got balance. yeah. A little bit of tacos, a little bit of, you know, whole yeah. foods and just being aware. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun how you said, like, I don't eat bad food. Yeah. Right? And I think that's, that's key big time to how I diet as well is, like, if I want a cookie... I'm going to make the cookie. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to go and buy, like, Chips Ahoy. No. Right? right? Or if you sit there and you're like, okay, you want a pie? Mm -hmm. Make it. By the way, those chocolate cookies you made. Oh, the double chocolate chip? Those were fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I think I ate, like, six of them. Well, understandable. (laughs) So right now, uh, a quick side note, Adam has been laid off recently. So when he lays off, he gets laid off, he's not working. He's used to working. So instead of working, he bakes. I love so it. So yeah, it's like I was making all these crazy cookies and Brad was here for, was it last week? Yeah, I think so. And I was like, oh, some double chocolate chip cookies over there. And it's just, yeah, you just saw his eyes just kind of light up. <laughs> oh, it nice. as they should. It, it makes as you feel good inside. That's good. Because that's what food does. Yeah. Food makes it, you feel good. It should. Yeah. And like, that's very nice that you got to bake. I was told as a kid I had to let my sister have something because she was the second oldest and she was really into baking, so I wasn't allowed to get into that. <laughs> so, let, her, let her have this. Let her have something. <laughs> let her have something. She needs something. Let her feel joy. <laughs> The only way that'll happen is if she learns how to bake. Yeah, she got really into it. She made some ooh pistachio scones that were pretty ooh, amazing. What? Yeah, what? lemon drizzle biscottis. She was go. she was pretty talented, but oh, I know how to cook really well. And I feel like I do a little bit of Frankenstein baking. And I'm like, yeah, it'll work. Yeah. And then it generally <laughs> does. Yeah, I, I, I try to bake, and then I just end up eating the dough. There you <laughs> go. Well, that's, that's the other problem, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. I have to, I only bake if I know I can give most of it away. Because oh. you can't, like, you, it's very hard to make a small amount of baked good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I watched, um, I watched, rewatched Bridesmaids a lot too long ago, and the premise of Bridesmaids is Kristen Wiig's character had a bakery, then she lost a bakery, and now she's sad. Um, <laughs> and there's something else to do with the plot, but that's for the purposes of this. There's a scene where she's like, I'm sad. I'm going to bake. And she makes a single cupcake. What? A single cupcake. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, how the fuck did you do that, Kristen <laughs> Wick? Because one egg, like you can't like ha- like portion out an egg. How did you make one cupcake? Okay, you- I got the answer for you, though. Oh, really? Go, go. You can you can make one cupcake? I mean, you make a mug cupcake. Like What's it, a mug cupcake? Oh, see, yeah. this is the part of like being aware of how you cook things. Um, so <laughs> and like trying Snap to make the smallest. Know, coming right, at me now, right? No, you just you make. There's, I mean, you can look it up anywhere on the internet, but you just find a recipe for something, and you can like make a mini cake. You can make a mini cupcake in a mug, usually in the microwave, and then you have said baked good, and yeah, it's you, personal size. But I'm, I'm thinking it's about not like, as good, right. but it's an option. But I'm thinking about, for instance, the double chocolate chip cookie recipe that I make. It takes one one egg, maybe two eggs, and makes five dozen cookies. So it's like if I cut yeah. that recipe in half and I only yeah. use one egg, I'm still making two and a half dozen cookies. So that's why I'm curious as to how you would make 
Like, unless it's like an alternative recipe for the cupcake. Right. You know what I mean? Could be. Some I mean, kind of vegan egg. There you oh, go. Oh, the vegan eggs. Ooh, or you get the, what the, like the egg whites. Yeah. Like egg uh, whites yeah. in a yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. You, you can do, do that. that yeah. mm-hmm. Both of you have food is such a, a great pleasure in life. Mm-hmm. But it's also communal. Yes. Oh, totally. When you're, when you're meeting friends, when you're having a networking thing, like you're, you're going to lunch, you're going to dinner. And if you're starving yourself, I imagine a lot of that social experience just disappears. Makes it kind of difficult, just right. a little bit. Well, you were talking about I, like the modeling agencies isolating. Oh, you. absolutely. And, you know, not only does that restrict the, the social interaction, your growth, and so forth, but you know, if you're in a vacuum, you normalize. You start normalizing behaviors. And you oh, start absolutely. normalizing treatment, which is completely, you know. Uh, not okay and not normal. Yeah, well, like you said, there were a lot, there's a lot of like creepy. Everyone, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's also mm-hmm. like when you end up going to casting calls or you end up making friends within the industry and you end up having conversations with other models and you're like, hey, so how is the agency treating you? And that's where you get your you know information. That's where you get people who are like, hey, that's. That's probably not okay that they're treating you like that. But that's if you're meeting models that have remain in the industry because you said yourself there's a revolving door. There is a revolving door. And once you get past like year three, you're like you, you meet other girls who have been in it or other guys who have been, been in it. And you're like, okay, we've stuck it out. We've made it to year three. <laughs> By year five, you know to always ask for the email of whoever is running accounting. So you immediately go to them to ask for your sure, check. Sure, sure. So it's... it's you grow with the people and you also start getting booked on jobs with regulars and stuff like that. So you keep meeting people who are about the same level or about where you are in the industry too. Hmm. Hmm. This, yeah. I, again, <laughs> I, I guess I have, let, let me ask you this. How, how is your family taken to your career? Like, do they, what are, what are their thoughts? And Oh, I got a range. You want the full range? It's really <laughs> spicy. Let's do it, baby. Okay, okay, full range. Um, my dad told everyone I was going to be an army nurse and continued to tell everyone I was going to be an army nurse even after I started modeling for a while. That was really exciting. Okay. Super fun. Really, really <laughs> fun. The recruiter uh, rejected me, um, and I didn't want to do it because he was like, oh, you're not going to leave the service single. I was like, ooh, ooh this is not for ooh, me. Geez. Okay. Ah, all right. Thank I you. am backpedaling. Bye. Yeah. Um, my mom was very much, oh, I support you. Uh, generally speaking, as long as I don't tell her too much, she's down for it. Uh, she had someone ask her when I first moved to New York, they're like, oh my gosh, are you worried about Jessica moving to New York? She's mm. like, nah, she'll be fine. It's <laughs> basically my mom in a nutshell. She's mm. like, you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. I'm like, yeah, I will. That's true. Um, my sister right after me is actually married to a guy in a cult and chose to move to Indiana from Chicago. Someone chose to move to Indiana? <laughs> yeah. That's abuse. I don't I know. No, <laughs> and she has two kids and uh, they don't believe in birth control and the whole fun thing. So her husband thinks I'm going to the devil um, because I model. Uh, and apparently she must think everything he thinks. So I'm damned to hell, mm. according to her. Well, I mean, you're probably damned to hell, but it's probably not for the modeling. Yeah, I mean. Theoretically, it's definitely for other things. Yeah, definitely for other things. Definitely for other things. Um, Yeah, I took her on one shoot before she ended up meeting this guy, and it was at the Dunes somewhere in Indiana or somewhere out in the Midwest. And I like 
changed out in the middle of wherever I like took off my shirt, put on another shirt. Cause that's what you do on site. No one's right. walking back to the car. Um, and there was no one around. And she was just like, oh, you took off your shirt. And I was like, <laughs> yes, these are tits. Congratulations. You identified them. Well done. Um, yeah, she couldn't stand that. Uh, so going to hell, according to her, my other brother didn't really care. He was like, you are just so uncool. I don't understand what you're doing with your life. But he said a model was uncool. I mean, but they're my siblings. They think I'm desperately uncool. Okay. All right. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> Fascinating. There, there, there's a list. Um, my next sister is like, cool, but like your work smile, like I know what your work smile looks like and uh, it's overrated. I was like, okay, thanks. Wow. wow Instagram generation. I know. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Um, my youngest two siblings, my brother is like, dude, I thought your life was so cool. And I learned about all the places you had to live and all the roommates you had and like how terrible your life was. And like, your life sucks. You're really not cool. Uh, so that was his opinion. And then my youngest sister, I've been in a couple music videos and she thinks I'm cool as fuck. So I have one person on my side. (laughs) Yeah. Would you have encouraged your siblings to get into modeling? Uh, no, absolutely no. not. Would you encourage anyone to get into modeling? Uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> well, okay, for the fact that it's a good it's a good resource for traveling, it's great if you're okay with living in limbo. It's a really good level of learning how to self-educate uh, on a very tight timeline. So if you're okay with having your own opinion and sticking up for yourself and like getting really comfortable with no being a full sentence, um, and educating yourself about business, about, uh, your taxes, about, uh, everything and anything under the sun when it comes to health and fitness, about learning how to be in front of a camera, go for it, do it, wait until you're 18, but do it and realize that you can walk away anytime and always, always, always um go and negotiate your contract because you can always get a one-year contract starting out they don't tell you this Mm. but you can always negotiate for a one-year contract starting out some agencies try and get you in three-year contracts and five-year contracts it's a bunch of bullshit so always negotiate for your contract you can put stuff in there like i don't want to do nudity i don't want to wear fur like you can you can ask for things Mm -hmm. in the industry and they will be respected if you make enough noise realize that some people are not going to be happy that you use your voice, but fuck them. Sure. Sure. And, you know, to that same end, even if, let's say, they're not involved in the modeling agency, but they, in the modeling industry, sorry, not mm-hmm. agency, and they're starting to find that they have the same tendencies that, that you or other models might have found towards food and mm-hmm. towards, what what advice or suggestions do you have ooh, for them? Ooh, ooh, all kinds of things. Ooh, ooh. You don't can't see <laughs> this, but she's things. like rolling her shoulders, <laughs> all kinds cracking of things. her knuckles. All, yeah, all yeah. kinds of things. Um, so one, getting to a place where food becomes neutral for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's whether you're getting yourself out of an eating disorder or you're kind of on the slope of an eating disorder is potentially developing Taking a moment, maybe journaling, maybe doing something else, Mm -hmm. totally up to you, but realizing that food can be neutral in how you interact with it. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be bad. It can just be neutral. And then especially when it comes to how food does affect your body and how you, whatever body dysmorphia that goes along with it and how you view yourself that... If you eat uh, one bite of something, you don't instantly gain 10 pounds and you don't actually look any different. But finding something 
within yourself or like visually where you can keep checking in and being like, hey, that hasn't changed. That part of myself I can love and that can just be like something that's fine. So like when I was first coming in my eating disorder, my body dysmorphia was pretty bad and it was like, oh, everything's changing. Oh my gosh. And it's like, no, actually it wasn't. Um, but I started by being one, practicing talking to myself nicely, but also I picked to like my eyelashes because your eyelashes aren't really going to be affected by what you eat one way or another, mm. unless you really get to an aggressive point of anorexia or whatever. Um, but you just pick one thing that you like that isn't something that's going to change your eye color, your the shape of your ear, something just random, right? Mm. That you can be like, hey, I can look in the mirror and say like, you have not nice eyelashes today. Or like, your ear looks particularly good today. And you just start this habit and this pattern of talking to yourself kindly and it just grows. You feed it a little bit every day. It's like a little plant and you just give yourself some sunshine, give yourself some nice words. I, I love that. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm actually, I absolutely love that. I mean, forget the, if whether or not you may have an eating disorder, just practicing, like that's a form of the self-care that we keep hitting over yeah. and over again. Like, and it's difficult yeah, it's when very you're dealing difficult. with something like this. Yeah. I was I was telling her earlier, like she's been key in, in me practicing self-love yeah. recently. Because you need to. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it just how can you expect to get better, to feel better, if you're not taking care of yourself in the most basic way, which is to tell yourself that you deserve to be better and that you're worth it to be better. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's... Ooh. And oh. again, to, like you said, find find these things about yourself that you like. Right. Yeah. You know? And also, I think one of the other moments of clarity was when I was taking care of my sister and being around someone who is... One, she had all kinds of fun medical things going on, but I was so protective of the space that we interacted with and that people would come in and they'd be like, Oh my God, poor you, poor you. I'm like, no, no, no. We don't talk like that here. We are laughing. We are smiling. We are giggling. We are, there's a little bit of progress every single day and we are noticing that and we are talking kindly to ourselves. Mm. And that made such a huge difference in her recovery and everything that she was going through. Um, so having that dialogue of like, if I take care of someone else with this veracity and with this attention to detail, why don't I do that to myself? Sure. Right. Yeah. And like having that moment of like, Hmm, maybe I should take care of myself. Like I would take care of someone I love. And like, what does that look like? What intentions do you put out there for yourself? And how do you talk to yourself in that space? That's great. That's, that's because you're right. Like taking care of someone else I think will because if we don't treat ourselves well, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't know which of you out there treat yourself well. I don't always treat myself well, but yeah, I do my I best to try and treat uh, my wife well, or mm -hmm. my dogs well, right. or my friends well. And why in God's name would you do something for your friends or your dog or your wife that you wouldn't do for yourself? Exactly. Adam feeds me cookies all the time, <laughs> all the time. I'm just like shoveling them in Brad's mouth. Yeah, and yet I'm like, I don't eat the cookies. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Zero sense. <laughs> Zero sense. No, but it's true. It's true. And I think especially when you're dealing with mental illness, it's difficult to practice self-love. Yeah. Because you you automatically feel broken because mm -hmm. you have one of these things. Um, and then the behaviors that you do while you're in an episode make you feel shitty about yourself. Yep. Whether it's depressive, manic, if you're schizophrenic, borderline personality disorder, whatever it may be. 
you come out of those states and you just beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's hard to, a lot of times, to practice that kind of self-love. And it's something that you have to be cognizant of and you have mm-hmm. to be active with. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I love about the simplicity of what you were saying with just like, my I like my eyelashes. Yeah. Or I like mm-hmm. the shape of my ear. Yeah. Right? It's like something that... A, you're not going to be able to affect no matter what you, what you, I mean, right. again, unless you're talking about really drastic stages right. of anorexia Levels or whatever. Other things, yeah. But in general, like if you're sitting there and you're like, I really like my voice. Yep. Or yeah. I really like my walk. And like it can yeah. be something as simple yeah. as that. Like what's yeah. something you like about yourself, Adam? Uh, what's something I like Ooh, about myself? I like myself? this. We put you on the spot. Well, wait, Let's yeah, way go. to go, Brad. Thanks Let's for that, go. you jackass. <laughs> uh, well, something I like about myself. Um... Uh, I like my singing voice. I think my oh, singing yeah. voice is pretty solid. And yeah. so I enjoy that about myself. Yeah. Anyway, what is something you like about yourself, Brad? Yeah, see, not easy. <laughs> Put you on the is spot. It? Let's yeah, go. asshole. <laughs> Let's huh? go. Huh? Um, uh, How's your self-worth? <laughs> All answers must be responded to immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I I like that I tend to think of other people and, and care about other people a lot. Nice. Nice, nice. And, and is yours eyelashes? Is that your thing? Uh, yeah, we'll still stick to eyelashes. I mean, it's a, it's. I feel like that's where I started building my. Yeah, so you're healthier than we are. Like yeah. you have multiple things yeah. you like about yourself. I We're like just, my jaw. Exactly. I think there I have a good go. jaw. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I like my ability to eat three pizzas without slowing down. Is that a, Dude, like that is solid. But what type of pizza? Oh, yeah. it doesn't matter. Deep Dust dish them? pizza? Sure. Really? All day, baby. Mm. Let's go to Gino's East. We can do this thing. Okay. Uh, is that the one Joe Manganiello owns? Is he? Does he or, own that? Or is it Joe Montanate? Um, Joe. One of the Joes. One of the Joes. You know, good old <laughs> Joe. Um, Jess, this has been absolutely fantastic. We really appreciate you coming on and talking about absolutely. all this. And, yeah. you know, we're not here to solve anybody's problems. We're not here. We're just here to provide different perspectives. And your perspective is so unique and so um, well-rounded and adjusted. Oh, you, well, I worked really hard for it, so and, I'm well, glad. Well, that's just it. Like, you did the work. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, you worked your ass off to be the healthy and, person and that me, you are today. And let me tell today. you and our, and our audience, too, fantastic artist. So <laughs> oh, then there my you gosh. Go. You should see her paintings. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It's, yeah. Now oh, I'm she's, blushing. She's blushing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah now she's blushing a little <laughs> bit. Uh, well, we had to get you back for calling us out, or we yeah. making us call, you make us call us out, but you encourage us to call <laughs> good, us out about good. something yeah. we like about ourselves. Uh, amazing, um, Jess. Thank you so much. Absolutely, uh, this has been awesome. Um, uh, what was the na- that name of the book that you mentioned? Uh, Brain uh, over binge. Brain over binge. We'll, yes. we'll put a link to, uh, to that in the uh, the comments of the web uh, of the podcast if y'all are interested in reading it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I would just say that like. I think the biggest thing when it comes to starting conversations with people who have eating disorders, who you think might have eating disorders, Mm. or maybe even just talking to yourself, realizing that one, you don't have to attack to solve a problem. Like you don't have to go in guns a blazing, doing the whole thing. Sometimes just being like, Hey, can I cook for you? Or, Hey, you know, this food really makes me happy. Do you want to try a bite of it? And Mm -hmm. like realizing that you can go in gently and that can still make change. Yeah. And 
change happens slowly and that's the best type of change out there. I think that's the hardest part for anyone with any sort of mental illness is the idea, much like trying to get into physical shape, is like, mm-hmm. it's a slow process. It's not it's a, a very slow process. It is not a quick snap your fingers and oh, I'm, I'm well adjusted now or yeah. now I have a 34 waist yeah. without right. going on a 14 day right. water fast. Which exactly, is, <laughs> which is insane. Which is insane. Which is insane. We but, all acknowledge insanity. Yeah, but that's also how you build your foundation yes. and realizing that it's okay to go as slowly or as quickly as you need to. And mm-hmm. that's also where, you know, you find intention with, I'm going to sit down and actually enjoy this food. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this moment. And it's going to be okay if I'm sitting in my car and eating a bagel. Or if it's, I made a whole meal for myself, I'm going to sit down with utensils and a fucking fancy ass napkin. There you go. And I'll just like, a fancy napkin. Right. I, I had two jalapeno cheese bagels today. <laughs> there you Ooh. go. Onion cream cheese. Ooh, where'd you get them from? Uh, Western Bagel. Yeah, Western Ooh, Bagel. Yeah. That place is right by my house. Oh, and man. I wake up in the morning at 5 a.m. with my dog because he's a jerk. And <laughs> I just come out the house getting hit in the face by Bagel. Well, and it's oh. just, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, you just, you have to, you have to indulge every now and then. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, everyone out there, make sure you indulge. Make sure you take care of yourself. Take care of the people who love you. We love you. Thank you. And Keep- food is good. And food is good. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs>